We all get an extra day this week, an extra day to work. Don't like that. 2024 is a leap year, so there are 29 days in February instead of 28. We do actually need the extra day, though. It balances out the Earth's seasons with our calendars. And it's basically a correction because the Earth's orbit isn't exactly 365 days per year. The next leap years are in 2028, 2032, and 2036. <laughs> Shut up! What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. And welcome in everybody to the Stone on Air podcast. I've got my bitters, lime, and soda made with the soda stream. I've got my vape pen. I've got my news and notes and show sheet. And look at that. I've got an extra day. How exciting. It's not the end of the month. It's not the final day here the 28th of February. It's the 29th tomorrow, a leap year. American time constructs. And I really, I don't care about the leap year thing. Um, You know, I know it means something and it matters, so they say. It's just that we're about to change the clocks again, which is the good time, but still as equally as infuriating. As it is in November, it is at this time of year as well. Just leave it to America to do this calendar, clock, and time in just the most odd fashion. Uh, You know, the, the Earth spins at the rate that it spins. Time is what it is. We can call whatever we want it to be. There's every year... At some point, usually about the time the clocks change. My name is Brian. This is the Stone on Air podcast, by the way. Thanks for joining me. I'll lay out the show here shortly. Every year or twice a year, there's a uh, civil uh, social media post about that if we would just change to 13 months and then every day have 28 days. And I'm making it up now because I'm not looking at it. And I've never done the fact check on it. And I don't know if it's true. It doesn't really matter because, again, you can construct this however you want, but that every month would start on a Monday and end on a Sunday and or and something along those lines. And if that is true, which I hate how that's one of my biggest pet peeves in this world of, of content and sharing information is, well, if this is true, then let me tell you. Okay, but so I'm going to break my own rule. If it is true, then... Should we do that? I, you know, whatever. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so you got an extra day in February. Woo! Happy, happy, joy, joy. Well, welcome into the show. Thank you for finding it. It is each and every Wednesday here in the city of Chattanooga. Thousands make it their midweek download destination. And I thank you if you are a longtime listener or a sometime listener or a brand new listener, all the same. Coming up on today's show, in the final segment of the show, I joined Clint Powell, a local marketing guy for the most part, sales guy, sales executive type through the radio industry and many other industries, and now is a just a, I mean, rapid fire podcaster. I mean, the guy's got so many different avenues that he does in the, in his podcasting uh, portion of his life at this time, and he does a pretty good job with it. And he invited me on his show during the break. 
and he released that uh, the same day we recorded it uh, this past week. So I'm going to play you portions of that. If you are newish to this show, that segment will give you a little bit more of an idea of how this show goes. If you're regular, then it won't offer you anything new. So feel free to check out if you would like. Coming up in the second segment of the show, I am going to give you a new idea, a new concept, a new gambling concept for March Madness that will blow your mind if you're into this kind of stuff. It'll make you think that filling out a bracket is silly elementary nonsense. All the while, we'll also talk to you about how terrible gambling is for uh, the, well, the youth, all of Americans, and sports in general. Kind of combine that all into one. And then here in the open, uh, no audio for you. Just going to hit a few things here. Some of it matters. Most of it doesn't. And that's pretty much the formula for this show each and every week. Quickly, before we begin, I want to thank my presenting sponsor of the show, Lee Brock. Lee at Linda Brock Homes. Dot com for all your real estate needs. Get a hold of Lee at 653-2491. So the trip to New York City to see Pearl Jam at Madison Square Garden is official. I have bought the plane ticket, and I'm going to see my buddy Brad Steiner, former radio guy here in town, and now a big wig at uh, Odyssey in New York City, and his wife Hillary. And all the details will plan out as the year goes along. But the tickets went on sale for the show at Madison Square Garden last week. And I got nervous. And I hadn't actually talked to Brad and said, hey, you are getting us tickets, right? Like, I mean, that was implied. We didn't really need to talk about it. But I just was getting too damn anxious. And the tickets were about to go on sale. And you got to get into a pre, what do they call that? Pre-registration something or other online portal And I text him last Thursday. Tickets go on sale the next day. I said, just to make sure, and hopefully it's a dumb question, are you for sure able to take care of PJ MSG ticks? Ticks on sale tomorrow, and they will sell out immediately. I've pre-registered just in case. Doesn't guarantee me anything. He immediately responded, yes, you fool. (laughs) I said, okay, okay. I'm just nervous is all. He said, Don't be. Don't you know who I am? In all caps. I I just said, I had to ask just to settle down. And even though I trust him implicitly, I will not calm down or settle down until September 3rd or 4th, whichever show we go to, and I'm standing inside the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. But for now... It's going to have to do. Uh, Let's see. So uh, election day is, or primary day, Super Tuesday, is March 5th. So the next time you hear from me in this capacity, we will have a few things that have uh, shaken out, I guess. And my uh, best show ever dropped on Monday with Judge Alex McVeigh running for circuit court. I do ask that you vote for him. No one's paying me for that. I will admit through channels that have been somewhat lucrative or the reason why I even know anything about him, but it had nothing to do with the candidacy. I learned a lot about Alex before we sat down. I learned a lot more after we sat down. It's an hour and a half. It's a long time. I get it if that's too much for you. Um, He's the right guy for this gig. If he doesn't get it, so what, you know, at the end of the day. But I, I am asking that you vote for him if you do indeed vote in the primaries, which I suggest everybody 
does that. And with that, it was a couple weeks ago, I was going to do a, a portion of this on the show, but I never got around to it. That bona fide voting law thing came back up, and I asked Alex about that on the best show ever. And, of course, he can't really speak to it. That's the problem with talking to judges and politicians in general. Sometimes they can't, you know, there's certain things they can and can't have opinions on, especially in this capacity. But it's just stupid. If you want a Republican ballot, get a Republican ballot. If you want a Democrat ballot, get a a Democrat ballot. Don't worry about whatever the sign says. That antiquated law that, to her credit, Cody Womp, district attorney, said there is no, the quote is, I wrote down, I don't have the piece here anymore from the Times Free Press, quote, no desire to prosecute if you're not a bona fide member. I'm not a bona fide member of the Republican Party, and I'm going to get a Republican ballot, and I'm going to vote for Alex McVeigh. I guess I'm a bona fide Democrat, even though at this point in life, screw them all. You know, every one of them can just jump off a bridge for all all I'm concerned. Any any of them that are hard, staunchly on one side of of anything. Uh, Another one I don't have the piece for here that was pulled to eventually get to. Some yahoos in the middle of the state are trying to ban cold beer in convenience stores. And I think grocery stores as well. If you didn't see this, consider yourself lucky that you didn't have to waste your time on such nonsense. Now, there are certain jurisdictions in certain counties across the South that have single-serve laws that can't be, you can't have refrigerated single-serves. Hamilton County and Tennessee, or at least you know where we live, is not one of them. So, you know, the, 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 the drunk, what used to be me, <laughs> walk into the store and get a tall boy, of Miller Lite or whatever it is, Twisted Tea, you get in your car and what are you going to do? You're cracking it open, you're you're hitting the road with it. That's why you got that one single beer. I did it countless times. Now, drinking a beer and driving home from work, you know, inherently there's nothing wrong with that. It's against the law and driving drunk is not good and not right and it, it also against the law and dangerous, but having a beer and driving home in your car is not actually doing anybody any harm. But they're trying to, these couple of yahoos are trying to ban all refrigerated beer. All of it. Which would completely disrupt the entire uh, orbit of all convenience stores and grocery stores. It's completely dumbfounding what these buffoons that run our country decide is important on any given day. I'm going to get to the vote from the city council. Spoiler alert here in a few minutes. They did approve the funding. I'll get to that to wrap up the open. Um, Let's see. Two things before I get to that, though. I got to say this. All right. So there's a pizza night with a bunch of friends of mine and and the origins of it. Some of it comes from the people I was just talking about, Brad and Hillary, who are now in New York. And I never used to go because it was always on Tuesdays. And Tuesday is a very busy day for me. It's get ready for the show, record night. Well, last week they were doing pizza night on a Wednesday. And that was my anniversary date of a year without drinking. So I thought, well, this is a good enough reason to go out. You know, sometimes I have to force myself to get out into a social setting these days. And I'm pretty good at doing it, actually. And it was a nice time. And we went to, I don't even know how to say the name of the place. It's Pizza Cortile or Cortile, C-O-R-T-I-L-E. It's located in Red Bank, which is not ideal, but that's where it is. I've been there once before and thought, man, this is pretty good stuff. Now, I love pizza. I'm a pizza guy. I mean, who doesn't love pizza? It's 
great food. It's not junk food. It's actually not even bad for you. People act like it's crap food, and it's not. I mean, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. And I have sampled all the pizza that this town has ever had to offer. And so the first time we went here, I had it, and I enjoyed it. Thought, this is pretty good. Well, we went this time and had a big table. We had a table of eight of us, and and it's pretty communal. Like, we, there was like six pizzas. But well, maybe, maybe four or five. Anyway, plenty of food to choose from. And... I, this is a bold, bold statement. It is the best pizza I've ever had in this town. I know, I know. I'm best show ever guy, right? I'm like, don't be prisoner of the moment guy. But, I mean, I made a list just to make sure I didn't, and I'm sure I'm going to leave somebody out. From Loopy's to back in the day, Pizza Pizza, Crust, Old Chicago, Southside, Gondolier and Raphael's back in the day. Community Pie these days. Pizza Bros is fantastic. Fiyama is fine. Goodfellas is fine. Home Slice is actually really good. It's just in a terrible location on East 23rd. All these places have fine pizza. Fine. And some of it more than fine. This is Pizza Cortilli, Cortil, whatever. Whatever this place is called on Dayton Boulevard. It is the best pizza I've ever had in this city. That is a bold yet I believe true statement. And no, I didn't work out some kind of sponsorship deal or some kind of barter deal or anything like that before anybody starts getting any big ideas. Now, hey, guys, I know I need to get your name right before you're going to throw any cash my way, but maybe we can work something out. It is so good. You know, it's like kind of a social media thing through like TikTok and YouTube and stuff where, you know, you take a bite and then you slap the counter and like kind of fall oh god it's like every bite is like an emotional experience i'm not i'm i'm not exaggerating that stuff is fantastic and uh we'll leave it at that so let's do this um epb rates on tv going up who didn't know that uh, AT&T outage the other day I have that service and it sucks and I barely could tell because my service sucks so bad it just seemed like the phone just sucked like it always does so we'll skip those stories and go right to this spend the next five minutes or so on this finally after a month of delays by both the city council and the county commission and to be fair both of those two governmental bodies were not it was not completely just dysfunction, at least within the council. I know for a fact that Mayor Tim Kelly asked them to put it off at least once, maybe twice. I'm not as sure about the commission, but I believe they are basically operating pretty much the same way. I mean, by by the time you're hearing this, the commission will have voted. All I can do is guess is that the commission is going to follow through and do the same thing that the city did. I mean, maybe, maybe that's me getting too far out on a limb, but I believe it because, because when I get to this, it'll make more sense as to why I believe that. Um, but so I was kind of, I was down on both bodies because I was like, what's going on here, man? Just make a decision, vote for crying out loud. What are you doing here? Well, they have the city council did, and this was quickly from the Chattanooga time, or excuse me, from the Chattanooga.com. Under the new deal, the county is only involved in the, in the initial $80 million in debt that was approved earlier, meaning back in August of 22, as Jim Coppinger was on his way out as county mayor. 
Back to the Chattanooga.com. The city is to take on support for portions of cost overruns on the stadium up to $112 million. County Mayor Weston Womp said the county, for its part, decided to invest $10 million in Howard School and another $5 million in other schools within the tax increment financing district. He mentioned Battle Academy as one possible recipient of the funds. So I guess what this means in, in some ways is, and all this gets pretty convoluted, is that this tax increment financing, the TIF, a lot of that is allocated to go to the bonds, the money borrowed to build a stadium and then other infrastructure for this entire development on the South Broad District and the money allocated for for schools and 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 all the different hands that are in all this. And since the county won't be involved with any more than the 80 million, then they will get less back in the TIF money for the county itself. That's what it that's what it sounds like, which, you know, that sounds fair to me. So, OK, whatever. Move the decimals around. Carry the one, you know, move the money from one account to the other. I don't real care at all. I'm about to say I don't really care. I totally don't care how you do it. Just do it. But I did see this the other day and it was um, uh, an aggregate piece that the Times Free Press ran with. And I, I pulled it and it's very exhaustive and very, very long. And I'm not going to read any more than just quite literally one. It's basically a half paragraph. It is from, it originally came from Stateline.com. More taxpayer money benefits pro sports owners amid stadium construction wave. Subheadline is research shows stadium and arena projects are poor public investments. I've read this kind of stuff off and on for 25 or 30 years. Uh, dude's name is J.C. Bradbury, and he is one you will find constantly beating this drum. From Kennesaw State University, he's an economics professor. Of course, Kennesaw State is down in uh, North Atlanta, just uh, north of Marietta. And he says here quickly, quote, This is without exception. It is really across the board that these are really poor public investments. And I guess that just depends on how you want to do the math. Um, that stadium up on the hill on Hawk Hill downtown, AT&T Field, is a piece of junk. It was a piece of junk the day it was built, and it's a piece of junk 24 years later. So the the common theme you see on social threads is, what's wrong with the stadium? There's already a bunch of empty seats all the time at the stadium. As if every stadium in the country is sold out every game, and when the lookouts aren't sold out, then that's somehow... Uh, a, uh, a deficiency on their part. Stadiums aren't built to be filled every time the doors are open. But forget all that. The Chattanooga Lookouts, a treasured historical franchise, deserves a quality place to play baseball. And AT&T Field ain't it. It's got one escalator going up that hill. Halfway through the game, it goes from going up to going down. Why is there only one? Oh, not to be quirky and neat, to save a couple of bucks, all right? The place is a big ball of tinfoil on a concrete foundation. I can't wait till they tear it down. I would love to get a time lapse of it. And and I, the over-under, while we're about to start talking betting, the over-under is one week. It'll take them to tear that piece of crap aluminum foil stadium down and we will hopefully it won't be it'll be two years. It needs to be two years. Rich Mazingo and the hardball capital brass don't try to do this earlier than that. 
there's going to be a gorgeous jewel of a uh, of a cornerstone of a fantastic in, uh, development that we will all look at five to ten years down the road and be proud of. I am confident of that. I clearly don't know that, but I'm confident of it. Coming up next, I am going to hate on gambling and sport the sports gambling nature of it because I always do. And then I'm going to contradict myself by giving you an idea that will blow your mind if you enjoy small stake wagering on the NCAA tournament March Madness. And let's just be honest, a lot of people from all walks of life, the old stupid filling out the bracket thing, a lot of people enjoy that kind of stuff. And that's what that is, low stakes gambling. Well, you're going to think that's the dumbest idea you've ever heard after I tell you about this new one that everybody I have talked to in the last two or three days have never heard of before. That and why gambling sucks next. More of Stone On Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. So I was doing some personal budgeting that I do most every month, and I was taking a look at my Amex and saw that I'm still getting charged. It's two bucks a month for the Wall Street Journal. And I thought, well, I'll keep that and then might as well go take a look and see what's on the front page. And what do I see? Home sales rebounded in January after last year's sharp decline. Just a couple of highlights. Mortgage rates have fallen about a percentage point since last fall, and home sales increased 3.1% in January from December. A typical home in January that sold was on the market for 36 days. That is still inventory moving fast, and that is true here in the city of Chattanooga. And if you need to be navigated through the real estate market in this city where this fine podcast originates, Lee Brock is your guy. Get a hold of him at 653-2491 or just a quick email will get things started. Lee at lindabrockhomes.com. Now more Stone on Air. It's about to get all stupid up in here. Stoneonair.com. So we've got legal sports betting in the state, which includes NCAA player props. But holy frick, Matt, the numbers involved here, 27% of Power 5 schools have reported a gambling-related issue, either player wagering or being harassed, versus 3% in 2019, which is when all the governors came off our society. Um, You know what? It's not really going to matter if I dog this game and I get an under on my individual player prop. We're going to lose, and by a lot, what's it matter? Folks, every one of us has thought that. So are kids on almost every campus where you can bet like this. This is the beaches. Uh, I am head over heels in love with this band. Four women, I said in their mid to late 20s last week, I think they're probably closer to early 30s, and I just can't stop listening to it. They're Sunday at Bonnaroo, and the Beatles might as well be in town as far as I'm concerned. Oh my God, I can't wait. song's called Edge of the Earth. It's just so great. Definitely young people music, I will say, at least lyrically driven. It's 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 driven towards 
young women in particular, young men as well. Maybe I'm living a little vicariously through it. That uh, rejoin is from one of my favorite radio shows uh, ever, Chuck and Chernoff in Atlanta. And they spent a long, like, 10-minute, 15-minute segment talking about these uh, individual stories from Ohio, I believe. Where it's from is not important because it's happening all over the country where kids are um, getting influenced and harassed on in certain settings by uh, people who are placing bets and by other students, young people, old people. And, you know, with these individual prop bets, just in case you're not familiar with what that is, that's just like, hey, somebody's going to go over under 100 yards today or throw five touchdowns. Well, that's a bad example because that rarely happens. But, uh, you know, run for two touchdowns or or whatever. It's so convoluted and so intricate because of um, just how the business has exploded with the uh, over half the states have, have have legalized sports gambling and all these online uh, FanDuel's and MGM's and, and everybody have all these different uh, uh, apps to just bet your life away. And that's what a lot of people are doing. And these professional athletes at some point are going to have this issue if they're not already, but certainly idiot kids in college and yeah, how many times have you have you thought watching a game? How how easy would it be to fix this? Like, I mean, shave points, shave yards. I mean, all the, this would be so easy to do, especially in the collegiate level where there's like 300 teams and there's games wall to wall every weekend on every level. NFL, much more policed, regulated uh, league. Other professional sports in America, same kind of thing. Certainly can do it there too but not nearly as easy, and it's not like sports gambling is new. So this you know, this has been happening. Baseball was really the first to be um, really hammer on this, going all the way back to 1919. And the infamous Black Sox scandal, uh, and I watched all the baseball movies as a child. Field of Dreams, Sandlot, um, Bull Durham, whatever other ones I'm not thinking of uh, quickly. And what I loved was Eight Men Out because that old White Sox, that classic old White Sox uh, jersey and logos, I was always fascinated with. My family's from Chicago, so I loved Chicago as a young person. I still like Chicago as an adult, but I didn't quite understand the movie because I didn't quite understand gambling. But I understood that they were throwing games and I could at least digest that. I mean, that movie came out in like 1988. So I'm like eight, nine, 10 years old watching it. And at the end, they are, they are acquitted in a court of law for throwing games. And the final scene is they're, they're toasting champagne and drinking and having a party basically because they had escaped jail time. But as the movie is fading, the commissioner of baseball is saying, well, even though they were found not guilty, we won't have this in our league. And, you know, to show, uh, you know, the hammer being dropped, they, they, they banned all the players involved in the Black Sox scandal of 1919 for life. And one of those was Shoeless Joe Jackson, one of the most famous baseball players of the 20th century. And part of it has to do with that scandal but he was also one of the best players as well and as a kid I didn't understand it I didn't get it I'm like why are they celebrating they just got banned from the game for life and they're celebrating what 
you know, obviously as an adult, it makes more sense because they weren't thrown in jail because of it, because it was staunchly against the law as well. So fast forward of 106 years or so, and this is now completely legal in most states, and I would venture to guess it'll it'll be legal in all states. And oh, on its face value, that's fine. Um, I've gone over this in the past. You already know all the the dangers of this with young people and their phones and the ease of it. And I'm going to run through some stuff on a Reddit post here in just a minute, and then I'm going to tell you. Then I'm going to tell you the best way to gamble and make maybe make a little bit of money during the March Madness uh, NCAA tournament here in just a few minutes, but we have things like this. Like, this was circulating on socials, and I fell for it for a minute, too. Told my dad about it, and I remember I told him, I specifically said, I didn't double-check this one, so I wouldn't run with it until I did, but there was this post going around that the person who ran out on the field for the Super Bowl this year, and I remembered that, that they cut away from the field anytime anybody runs out on the field. Generally, networks don't show it to try to not encourage that kind of behavior, and the, uh, the the headline was, and this is through Twitter, which is completely more unfiltered than ever. You can think that's good. You can think that's bad. Whatever. That's what it is. And it said, dude places $50,000 bet that there would be somebody running out on the field. And then, so how do you fix that bet? You place the bet, then you run out on the field. Because this is such a gray area now on what the rules are and are not and what the law is or isn't, some bookies, some book uh, books, as they're called, could, you know, could avoid a bet if they think that it is tampered with. That is certainly legal in, and within the guidelines and the terms of service, I guess you could call it. But that turned out to not be true. That wasn't a, a, a true story. But what was true two years ago was that somebody who was streaking at the Super Bowl had a bunch of his buddies placed a bunch of bets. And I did go look through all the, you know, the the fact-finding on this one. It says, acquaintances of the Super Bowl streaker, this is from 2021, placed several small wagers on online sports books that later were then voided. The streaker that was from this year was not part of this. But the, the point of it is, is this is so obvious of a, of a thing that could be completely manipulated. And I don't think the average person throwing around a few bucks, throwing a little action on the game really cares. But from a guy like me and many people that I know who I at least used to would agree with me, sports are cool. Sports is fun. I've never needed to make a wager. Competitive sporting events Competitive team sports, just about any, almost any sport we're talking about, any competition, I enjoy. I like. I think it's fun to watch. I don't need action on it to make it better. And for those of us that are concerned about the integrity of the game, knowing that we're watching something that is a tried and true version of what this fundamentally is supposed to be, this is a this is a problem. And it might erode how much I care. Now, the thing is, pretty sure I'm in the minority on this one. And, you know, everybody else who's making all the money is, you know, the joke's on me, uh, I suppose. But I have never placed a wager on a game in my life. I have bought a couple of scratch-offs, and those were 20-plus years ago. 
I've filled out a couple of those parlay sheets. Remember those things back in the day when somebody would come by your work or wherever you might be gathering with people, and then you would fill out, you'd circle the five games based on the spread, and then you'd tear off the perforated sheet at the bottom, and then you'd have your numbers circled, and then you would keep up throughout the weekend, and if you got all five right, you turn $5 into 125 or whatever it was. I never won one of those. I would like to think I only did that two or three times. Might have been more like five, six, seven, eight, but I promise you it wasn't more than 10 because it was real quick that I was like, losing money sucks. I don't like, I do not like to lose money. Winning money seems kind of cool. Losing money terrifies the shit out of me. So I found this on Reddit. Which one it is doesn't matter. And uh, then I'll get to uh, how to make a couple of bucks on the uh, March Madness, or at least a way to make it a little bit more fun and be completely contradictory. Uh, The headline of the thread is, The pervasiveness of sports gambling is going to ruin the NFL. Go back to the gutters, you degenerates. I'm so sick of hearing these old farts on the Sunday pregame stumble through parlays and shit. I think there's going to be a big gambling scandal in the next five years or so. I'd be willing to bet it'll be way before then. Another one says, I just don't know why it went from taboo to every single talking point revolving around it. And that's been my biggest thing for all these years is I like to talk sports, but I don't like to talk spreads. I don't like to talk prop bets. And the people that do this have this water cooler, as they call it, conversation It's just idiocy, really, is all it is. Another one says, legally, it's just a term used to allow big corporations to do what they want, whether it be alcohol, marijuana, weapons, and guess what? Yes, now gambling, too. It's directly correlated to the gargantuan marketing budget of online sports books. They are all losing an absurd amount of money right now, but had such an injection of cheap capital over the past five years that they they can still sustain this momentarily give it a few years and the amount spent will be maybe 20 percent of what it is today and content creators of every type will be changing their tune that's an interesting point being able to influx all that money at very cheap rates and all the venture capital and all that that went into these apps and these online sports books that's an interesting thought right there i am perfectly fine with sports gambling being legal but i really wish we made it like cigarettes and banned advertising of it another really interesting thought you can smoke all the cancer destroy life destroying disgusting cigarettes you want but we're not going to allow you to put this crap on tv for kids to see i don't know uh alcohol commercials are the most predatory shit ever invented though the gambling sites are giving them a run for their money if beer commercials simply just said please buy a corona it wouldn't be so bad but they're more like hey you Yeah, the crippling alcoholic, don't be a pussy. Drink a beer. (laughs) This thing's starting to go off the rails a little bit, but I just, I I couldn't help myself here. I would restrict gambling to physical locations. Want to go place a bet? Get off your ass and go to the sports bar or something like that. The more social the activity is, the more likely a friend might say something if he sees you chasing wins. Or a simple sense of shame might keep your wallet in your pocket. It won't eliminate bad outcomes, nor will it stop the incorrigible gamblers. But it could cut down on the number of people sitting alone at home making terrible decisions on their smartphones. That's another great point. Another Reddit post, just a couple more. They're also marketing betting on your phones to high school and college kids. Yeah. That'll end well. This one says, It also makes for incredibly boring content. 
hearing that Terry Bradshaw likes Brock Purdy to throw for over 231 yards is inane drivel and lacks any real analysis, insight, or actual news. Hooray, hooray, yes, yes, this, this. And the final one says, I'm a gambler and love betting on football, but even I am like, damn, can I get some football scheme info or analysis of games? The over-under and spread in prop bets is just so tiring. And so now, to blow your mind with a brand new March Madness low-stakes gambling option, check this out, all right? Forget the brackets. I mean, I quit doing the brackets and, you know, the $10, fill out the bracket, hope you win, get the pot. I quit doing that crap probably five years ago, but wanted to quit more like 10 years ago. But because my company did it, it was kind of tradition. I kept doing it. So here's the deal. Here's the new one for the NCAA tournament that's starting March 31st for March Madness, as I'm actually legally probably not allowed to even say. Quite literally, March Madness is so heavily copyrighted and trademarked. But come and get me. Anyway, I've been telling you, if you, this is so cool. And I've talked to degenerate gamblers on this one. And they're like, this is wild. This is so much fun. Why would we ever do anything else? So you know the Super Bowl squares board. If you don't, I don't have time to explain it to you. You're going to have to look it up. But it's the exact same concept as the Super Bowl squares board. You fill up a hundred of these squares for whatever dollar amount you want. But for this example, I'm going to give you the one that we're doing at my work. It's $50 a square. So that is $5,000 in funds to pay out for this tournament. And what happens here is you get your two numbers, same way you would at the Super Bowl, but instead of only getting four chances to win, at each quarter, first, second, third, and then the final score, you have an opportunity to win money every single game of the tournament. And I know when you hear that, you think, how the hell is that possible? Because that's what everybody says when you first bring this idea up. First thing I thought, what do you mean every game? That can't be real. That can't be real. That math can't work. It does. And here's how it works with ours. So for the first round, 32 games, wall-to-wall games on the Thursday and Friday of the tournament. If you get, let's say you got a 9 and a 2, so the, let's say the final score is 79-62, you win. Well, you win 50 bucks. So your money's back made, boom, right there. You have 32 opportunities for your numbers to hit to get 50 bucks back. Now, it's conceivable that you could win countless times. Somebody is going to win every single game. And you might be thinking, well, hold on. There could be multiple winners, right? No, there can't be multiple winners. Not on this board because there's, you're the only two. You're the only person who has those two numbers. So you get this same two numbers for every single game. So it pays $50 for the first round, 55 for the second round, 75 in the Sweet 16, sorry, the thing just went blank on me, $100 in the Elite Eight, $225 in the Final Four, and $800 in the championship game. Um, it is $50 a square, 63 chances to win, payouts all 63 games, and I, it's it's simple, but it's hard to digest, 
because you're used to, if you're familiar with this, the Super Bowl squares as being much more simplistic. And this is simplistic. It's just nonstop action for $50. And I don't need it to make the games better, except I'll take a little. You know, this is fun. This is people I know. This is stuff. This is camaraderie at the office, right? That's why I've always thought once upon a time that the bracket thing was kind of fun. I never won one of those. I threw away 10 bucks a year or 20 bucks a year on that. But it was still worth doing because it was a, uh, you know, it was more than gambling. It was something to do amongst friends. That's what this is on a bigger level. And especially for the gambler who wants to throw down a few bucks every time you're watching a game. Well, you're they're probably still going to do that. But this is a $50 investment to have a little bit of action on every single game of the tournament. And as soon as you win one, you've made your money back. Everything after that, for three weeks, is just house money, as they call it. Literally and figuratively. It is it is awesome. It's brilliant. I can't wait. And so low-stakes stuff like this, I'm a fan of. So half the segment, I tell you, gambling's ruining the world, the sports, our youth culture, our lives. And the other half, I tell you how you should do it going forward. If you need it, that explained anymore, hit me up, and I'll tell you. Uh, more about it <laughs> but uh, i'm telling you nobody's heard of it no I, I need to copyright this speaking of copyrights i need to make some money off of this steal the idea and say it was mine all right so coming up next as we go out with the lovely beaches my new obsession i joined clint powell and during the break podcast and we ended up having an hour and 40 minute podcast conversation that's just stupid long well, I've dug out about six minutes worth, and I'm going to play them back for you, if nothing else, to help cross-promote Clint's podcast, and because what the hell else am I going to do for the next 20 minutes? Hang tight. That's coming up. I was talking about my subscription to the Wall Street Journal earlier, and I also ran across this headline that same day. Rent comes down for the wealthy while rising for the rest. Landlords are slashing rents this year, but most renters won't save a dime. Middle market rents rose in the Midwest, Southeast, and Northeast. The biggest discounts in renting are reserved for the most lavish accommodations. Bottom line is, middle class America, renting is expensive. Owning a home is too, though. So what to do, how to do it, where to start. Lee Brock is a guy who can help you figure this out. Simple in some terms, not so much in others. He can guide you through any real estate transaction that this city has to offer. No transactions too big or too small. Lee and his family are lifetime Chattanoogans and they understand this market. Start with a phone call at 653-2491 or if you prefer the email route, that'll work just fine too. Lee at lindabrockhomes.com. Now back to more. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stone on air. If you want the latest on that story, you're going to have to really go out and find it. And how many people, even if you do care a lot about that, are going to spend a lot of their day digging through Chattanooga.com or whatever they can get from the Times Free Press or wherever else on a social media Mm -hmm. to find out the the actual numbers of of a local story like that. They're not going to. But they can listen to my show and I will have all that for you. I watched the city council meeting so you don't have to. Another thing that I've also, that's been fortunate for me in all this is that in the media world, it's always been my 
side hustle, second gig, mm. hobby that pays a little, right? right? So, like, I'm not trying to make a living doing it. It's not important that it's lucrative. It'd be better <laughs> if it was. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's a lot more work than people think. Uh-huh. But so I can still operate in that capacity that I don't have to be making a lot of money or even any money to still do good content. During the break from Clint Powell, this is more beaches. Everything is boring. Except for this podcast, hopefully, and all the podcasts that I've thrown at you in the last, geez, I was doing the math earlier, like eight, in the last eight days or so, I have pushed upwards of about six total hours worth of podcasting content at you, and I know you're not going to listen to it, because I wouldn't either, but it's all there if you want it, and um, wow, yeah, we, we got done recording on Saturday, at the beautiful studios of uh, Whitfield Media Group over by Sam's off Lee Highway. I was just, I've seen pictures of it, so I knew kind of what it was going to be like. It, man, there ain't a station, radio station in this town that's got anything on this. I mean, I think Sean went a little overboard, as a matter of fact. Uh, that's fine. I, I, Me and Sean had a little headbutting about six years ago, and I've at times taken some shots at him. He doesn't listen to any of this stuff, so he probably didn't hear any of it. But uh, overall, fine guy, and a, they just they just churn and burn and churn and burn content out of that building, and a lot of it goes to uh, Odyssey here locally, uh, the NASCAR radio, and uh, all those things. And then Clint works out of there, and so, and some other people lease some of the office space. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, and the sound quality is just as good as anything I've ever ever used and i have worked in a lot of different studios in a lot of different places not just here in town but certainly amongst anything that's ever been in this city so we started probably around 11 30 ish or so and when we stopped you know we don't hit we don't stop in the middle of it it's just hit record and go it was damn near or right at one o'clock and he was like man that was kind of long and I thought, well, how long is it? He's like, hour 40. I was like, what? An hour and 40 minutes? Who the hell is going to listen to this? Um, so I just dug, I haven't even listened to the whole thing because I don't really need to, but I, uh, I did enough to pull some stuff out here. And it was just, we talked a lot about the old radio stuff. He's, he, uh, Clint is an account executive for Cumulus for a long time. He's uh, a billboard company, advertising. Dude's been in a lot of things, and he, he does a lot of things really well. And interviewing and having a chat with a microphone in front of him is something he does pretty darn good. Actually, overall, I think he does it better than I do uh, as far as just interviewing people. Because that's all he does. It's you know He does the exact opposite of what I do. I virtually interview nobody. He basically interviews always. And there's good and bad to both of those, and that's for another day. So let's just jump into it. Some of these are kind of long, and the very first one is long. We were talking the radio industry, and we were specifically talking about the differences between podcasting and radio. And the main thing that I was talking about in this clip was the clock. I am obsessed with timing because radio conditioned me for that. So this is our first clip from the During the Break podcast. Did you find it hard to get the brain off the clock 
Did you have to battle that or not I really? Still, oh, I still battle it today. Yeah. I have different thoughts on this, like Barry Corder, I know you guys have on in different capacities in this building and through some of these uh, different uh, avenues of, of shows. He gives me hell about it all the time. He's like, dude, you got to get it. Quit worrying about this clock thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, quit worrying about, you know, the timing. Yeah. And um, I just don't, for what I do every week, I like to stick to a clock. To me, it keeps me focused, mm-hmm. keeps me on on point, and it's not a hard clock like yeah, a radio yeah. clock would be. But it's it's pretty. I try to keep it pretty tight, and that's because I want to. I don't want to ramble. I always have a beginning, middle, and end. But if I don't have it timed out in my head, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to get a little lost in the weeds. So when we were talking before this, we were talking about the length of podcasts, right? What What's the sweet yeah, spot? Where is and it? my thought was, I'll go back and listen to old podcasts, and I'll find myself repeating what I've said for five minutes for the next five minutes. And I'm like, uh, God, dude, just you said it. You nailed it. Yeah, Shut the hell don't up. Don't say it again. Get out of the room. Yeah, Walk the, out, the, and I can't do it. Like I said, that's <laughs> one of the worst things I hear on anything. Well, like I said, well, you already said it. Well, here's mine. You, ready <laughs> you don't for this? have to say it again. Here's mine. You ready for this? So just to recap, <laughs> holy shit. Well, I'm going to recap for 15 minutes after what I said for 15 minutes. Like Wait. like I said, and again, <laughs> again, and I'll tell you, our, our city mayor, Tim Kelly, you're the worst at this. Don't do that. He's coming on next Starts week. Stop every it. sentence off halftime. Well, again, um, and and it's just talk about muscle memory. It is. Um, That's how you know what it is. That's that little spacer we have between our brain and what's coming out of our pile. Second to think just a little bit longer. It's a you know. Yeah. It's a um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's those kinds of things. Oops. They're uh, they're called crutches in uh, the industry, and I got a lot of them. I've noticed from week to week, I tend to have something i accidentally say several times not necessarily all the time just in that one week i i don't know where that comes from and if you've noticed it i apologize because i know it's terribly annoying uh, i try to limit the crutches but it's it's very difficult when you're moving fast in this kind of uh, capacity this one is um well basically what is my podcast about and to get back to the initial question about like what the show is, it's, yeah. it's when I started doing it, it was an extension of of the the former radio life, and so I would I was conditioned to hit the headlines. I was conditioned to look at what is going on nationally and even internet, you know, like that kind of right. topic content. And then I realized after a while, who cares what I think about any of these random international national political not political sport i mean if it's something i care about specifically Mm -hmm. passionately or maybe even not so passionately passion is a pretty strong word but something that i have interest in well then that's different but if it's just me grabbing what i think Mm -hmm. is trending as some guy here in chattanooga who who is not i mean I, i this idea of trying to be you know a a national I don't want to say brand, but a national outlet. You know, I just realized that's just not what I do. That's not what works for me. Oops, sorry about the bad edit for me. Um, I went ahead and stopped and pulled this audio real quick because I didn't want to try to paraphrase it. And I'm only going to play a minute of it. This is Rick Rubin, legendary music producer. And this is something that's been circulating on social media the last month or so because he just released a book. And this kind of speaks to what we were just talking about, that the audience comes last and it sounds like what what do you mean the audience comes last something i say in the book is that the audience comes last and i believe that i'm not making it for them i'm making it for me 
And it turns out that when you make something truly for yourself, you're doing the best thing you possibly can for the audience. So much. And that's a long run when I'll just leave it at that. And I I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so the reason for me wanting to stop and do that was that, you know, I've had people give me suggestions. Maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. As I spent years trying to figure out how I should craft this weekly show. And for me, what I love to do the most is focus on this city because I love it. I love it more the older I get. And I want to point out the good, and I want to celebrate the great, and I want to be pissed off about the bad. And I think his point is, is if you're good enough and you've done something that you are truly satisfied with, your audience will agree. I think that was what his point was, and that, that made me think of that as I was playing that clip. All right, so we covered a lot of subjects on uh, the During the Break podcast show, and the next three will be about the mayors here in the city of Chattanooga. All right, what do you think, man? You you already alluded to it, the mayoral kind of, you know, back and forth. So what, what do you see this? How did it happen? Who's done it wrong? Who's done it right? And where is it at? Well, Weston Womp coming into office as a county mayor right. is where this starts. The infighting. The I, I mean, I think war is probably a strong word. But the conflict, the conflict little, yeah. is, is Weston. Because I believe he has this traditional adversarial politics is how he approaches things. I mean, just being, I'm not just going to disagree. I'm going to create conflict over this. I'm going to purposely make life hard on people. That's what I feel like Weston's doing. I feel like the commission is intimidated by him. Mm -hmm. I think there's people like my friend David Sharp, who's also allowed potential little bit of adversarial nature to him too mm-hmm. they hate each other they won't say it they do all you got to do is look at the headlines and you know, the the quotes right uh jeff eversall who i don't know who's at i the, know him who's at bit. the chairman yeah. now it is very clear that he is not at all impressed mm-hmm. with the way that weston's handling things so this is good for content. It's not necessarily good for the city. And as I look at the timing here, I got to fly, speaking of clocks. So we continue more with Weston. Uh, nothing new here you haven't heard on the show before. Some of the stuff that he has proposed, like when he came in and tried to fire the attorney. What the hell are you doing? Well, but see, it, it, even if you agree with what he was trying to do, like he he forgot the key of salesmanship. And in my opinion, he forgot. I got to get by and tell you my story. I got to convince you that we're heading in the right direction on this. Even publicly, if you state your opinion and sell it instead of just coming in and by fiat, and waving he, and your and magic he did finger. did not do that. No, no, no. He I just walked in and so just this said, is what we're doing. And everybody's like, well, dude, you've not you told just us. You got here. Yeah. I think I think that was. There's part a, of that. You just got here, I think dude. that was a mistake. Yeah. And and I don't even care about that. Like, I don't care who the county the attorney is. And if there's legitimate reason to make a change, do it. And he, tell us your story. Give us the reason. Yeah. That's what your job is, your leadership. And I think he'll be better at that. I hope. But I haven't seen. He's done that a couple times since then, too, it, of just taking topics and just saying, this is what we're doing. And everybody's like, well, wait a minute. Why, why are you taking money away from us? Sit at the Pachyderm Club, you know, calling Red Bank a piece of shit, basically. I mean, like, why are you doing this? Yeah, basically just took this long clip and split it up into two, so I'll continue with this one. It's just like he wants to come in and smash pots and pans together, and rather than lead 
and work within a structure that that commission is this is a big county first of all and that commission is 11 people now that's a lot of different personalities and people who are agendas and 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 also i mean these commissioners these are part-time gigs these are twenty five thousand dollar a year jobs so so maybe that's a problem in itself too some of the best advice i've ever been given about management or leading is when you've been given a gig before you come in and just start implementing your will talk to the people who are there Get some buy-in, get get some consensus, let someone else show you where the brooms are kept, have a learning mindset. Then when you start suggesting the changes or trying to go in a different direction, you have not alienated people. People have seen you, got to know you a little bit. So like people are just gonna you'll be, have anarchy. They'll just rebel. They're like, well, screw you, dude. I'm not doing this shit. And this, I don't even know you. And this this fits into any model of leadership yes. and people who work underneath. And you. he may have done that behind the scenes. I gotta say that too. I don't know. It doesn't look like it doesn't from the appear. Outside. Doesn't yeah. appear that he did. Leadership matters. I say it on this show all the time. Words matter. How you present yourself matters. How you act matters. Your behavior, it all matters in some way, form, or fashion, especially in a leadership role. I've got two more here real quick, and I'll wrap up the show. Uh, We shift away from that. The current state of the music scene, Clint Powell, on During the Break, asked me about. All right, let me ask you. You can spend as much time or as little time. We'll wrap it up. Sure. Music in Chattanooga, good or bad right now? The music scene. I don't think it's nearly what people who will tell you that it that it is. I don't think it is what what they think they, it is. they yeah. think it is. Um, I think it's it's nice. It's a nice little hobby for a lot of bands. And I don't want my friends to get mad at me. But we got very few that have really any real chance at something outside of success within the city. And sometimes that's fine. That's all you that's all some people want. You think it's because bands and artists are trying to emulate what other people like currently and they're not being themselves enough? Or you just think that there's not enough people here that give a shit about the music? I don't think there's enough people that care. Okay. And um we talked about this with Tim actually just the other day, talking about whether we needed an amphitheater and when, you know how to grow the music economy and what things like Huntsville have done and 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 I don't have time to reset all that and that wasn't really about the lo- local music that was about like just how a city might right. invest in in music related kind of uh, infrastructure right and it, I just don't think enough people care and it's man it's hard work it's some of the hardest work in the world and you will find that conversation with tim kelly about that on the what podcast which i am now a regular contributor on a weekly show that we wrap up the show or this one anyway with clint asking me about well we just kind of started that uh it's as as a regular thing that uh for a a quick reset is a is a, a podcast that was designed to talk about bonnaroo like five years ago, six years ago. And it was started by Brad Steiner, who's now working in New York. He's a pretty big hotshot in New York, actually, in the radio industry. And Barry. And they, uh, here recently in the last year, well, half year, I mean, four months, I guess, Brad's had to peel off, had to peel back, uh, wasn't able to keep that weekly. It's a weekly show. I mean, it's very niche. It's very narrow-casted. And I would contribute regularly, like, hey, jump on, talk for a few minutes, and then see you later. Right. Like, so I'm, I was in the ecosystem, and I was thought, holy shit, y'all have to sit here and talk about Bonnaroo every week? But they talk about more than Bonnaroo it, now, right? See, it's, it's grown. It's grown. Yeah. But it's still 
their core audience, which they have a they have a nice audience, but their core listenership wants Bonnaroo information all the time. Oh, uh, okay. Because Bonnaroo people are crazy people. <laughs> so are you going to be a weekly contributor now? Is right it now, so- it's turned into that. Good yeah, for you. Man. Yeah, it's 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 been fun. We've been doing it for about a month and a half now. The whatpodcast.com, search it out. You'll find it. Uh, huge, great social media presence. Great, I mean, brilliant website. Better than anything I've seen anybody in town try to do, myself included. It's very, very well done. Video, all videoed, all superimposed graphics. It's highly produced. It, it, it looks great. Highly produced. It doesn't, yeah. mean, doesn't mean you're going to like it, but it's a very, very well-crafted podcast, video cast, all that. So that's, it started off as an idea. Hey, Brad's pulling back. Yeah. You want to maybe work your way in? I'm like, I'm kind of are tired of not working for any more money. But yes, I can't say no. It's music. Because it's also my ticket. You know, we get a lot of perks. Yeah. A lot of perks. And I'm a big get a perk guy. <laughs> if you get a perk guy. If you yeah. ain't gonna pay me, you're perk gonna, me. We're gonna barter something around That's here, right. and, and it it works well for it. Hashtag I'm a perk getting kind of guy or whatever it is I just said and uh, that's it I'll wrap things up right there and try to knock this thing out right at 60 minutes speaking of keeping up with the clock as on the way out here with everything is boring from the band Beaches thank you to Lee Brock the presenting sponsor of the show 653-2491 Lee at lindabrockhomes.com that's all talk to you next week see you later bye (laughs) 